Coming up on Chasing the Natty, the playoff games are set in most leagues and it's do or die time for everyone. We've got the waiver wire pickups for you and for your first round of the playoffs. In addition to that, we got a ton of interesting games to discuss filled with player performances that you'll want to know about. All this and more right after this. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. You'll notice very quickly if you're watching on YouTube that I am soloing it this week, and that's just how we have to do it today, unfortunately. But that's okay. We got tons of interesting things to talk about today. We got playoffs finally here. Congratulations to everybody out there who has made it into their playoffs for their different leagues. Each and every one of you has worked hard to get to this point. So if you're in the playoffs, you might as well win the whole thing. So please listen very carefully here. We got tons of waiver wire pickups for you guys this week to hopefully give you an edge in your playoff matchups this upcoming week. Maybe surprise your opponents or two with a few players that maybe they didn't even consider this upcoming week. In addition to that, we got about six or seven games later on down the week, or later on down the show that we are going to discuss some interesting uh, outcomes from this past week that we will definitely get to. Uh, with all that being said, I'm going to give you guys a normal spiel. You guys know what to do. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a little thumbs up button right down there. They call that the like button. Uh, please make sure you hit that. It definitely always helps us out. And right next to it, there should be a little button called subscribe. If you always want to know exactly when our episodes come out, usually they come out Monday and Tuesday at 11, or actually I've changed that time. It's now about seven o'clock in the morning. I get those out to you guys so that you guys are able to listen to us in the morning. Um, but even still, at whatever time they come out, if you're subscribed, you'll know they come out the minute that they come out. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. In addition to that, leave comments down below. Please make sure you can comment on basically anything you want. You can ask us questions about your upcoming week. You can just tell us, hey, Jared, you're looking fabulous today. That's all good and well. We want to hear from you guys no matter what. If you're listening to this on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, please make sure you are following us there. In addition to that, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. Those are always welcome. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can always add us. I am at CFF underscore Jared. He is at CFF underscore Xavier, my co-host who is not here unfortunately tonight but even so he'll answer your questions if you dm him or add him he is good like that uh with that being said that's our normal spiel let's go ahead and just hop right on into this guys so again just kind of run through my guys that i got for you guys this week we got some good ones for you and you'll notice a common theme pretty early on here um i maction is a hell of a drug that's all i'm gonna say going forward with some of these guys and the first one you're automatically going to see here, you're looking at me crazy. Uh, Mr. Zach Gibson, quarterback out of Akron. Um, and you're probably looking at me or listening to me thinking, uh, Jared, Jared, what are, you, what are you doing? This is an Akron quarterback. Akron's awful. Well, uh, Mr. Zach Gibson came into their game and put up a 30-point game this past week against, I honestly forget off the top of my head who they played. Let me see, Akron football schedule. I know it was a matching game, uh, but give me a... Uh, Western Michigan uh, almost won that game, I believe. Yeah, they, they lost that game by about five points, so they were really into it. So Zach Gibson had a hell of a performance in that game. Um, and so what does he have to follow up with? Well, he only has the 129th ranked defense against the pass this upcoming week against the Kent State Golden Flashes. So if you're really not liking your... Um, if you're really not liking your QB matchups in your first week of playoffs, Zach Gibson is your guy. Look at him right there. Um, he's got a great matchup this upcoming week. And again, you'll notice very early on, a lot of these guys haven't even looked at next week yet. These are mostly guys that can shine for you this upcoming week. Lots of good quality matchups for you guys. You can su- surprise yourself on. And again, 
a lot of these matching games I'll talk about, they're happening Tuesday, Wednesday. So get these guys and get them in your lineup as soon as you quit as soon as you can. Uh, so we'll have another guy here, not a matching quarterback, but we do have Mr. Jaron Hall, quarterback out of BYU. He is owned on 21% of rosters. He's another guy with a great matchup this weekend. He is facing um, Georgia Southern and their 125th ranked passing defense. Uh, dude has been absolutely lighting it up the past couple of weeks for um, BYU. He's got some great weapons on that team. He's got Neil Pau. He's got uh, Puka Ndesua. He's got Samson Ndesua. Um, Gunnar Romney's out there every once in a while. Or, yeah, Gunnar Romney's a receiver. Baylor Romney is the quarterback. So he's got Gunnar Romney out there. And, of course, he has the all-impressive uh, running back, Mr. Tyler Algier, who's absolutely going to be putting up points as well in this game. So I expect Jaron Hall to have an absolutely massive game. Uh, day this weekend absolutely worth picking up for you um, in that case um, we'll go ahead and move on to another quarterback we got another another uh, Maction quarterback here this time it's Mr. Drew Plitt quarterback out of Ball State and he is going up against the 122nd ranked defense in the um, in the in the chips of Central Michigan. I'm not going to pretend to try to pronounce um, pronounce their full mascot name because I will I will screw it up a thousand times out of a thousand. But he's going up against the Chips of Central Michigan, who are ranked 122nd against the pass. Drew Plitz owned in 14% of leagues, so he's going to be available in a lot of places. And he's got some great weapons to work with on that roster. He's got Carson Steele, the running back. He has Mr. Um, Justin Hall, who's just been phenomenal the last couple of weeks through the air and on the ground. Justin Hall has really become a running threat, which is really not what I expected. I don't think m many people really expected Justin Hall to be that guy who's going to be giving you points on the ground and through the air. Uh, in addition to, to Justin Hall, he's also got a good old uh, Mr. Ketchup himself, Johans Tyler. So Drew Plitt absolutely could have a great week. Great week this upcoming weekend, especially if Central Michigan keys in on that run. I think Drew Plitt can absolutely take advantage of their passing defense. So he's another guy who flies under the radar a little bit. But again, matching games, bad passing defense, great matchup here. Absolutely worth plugging into your lineup if you really don't like the matchups that your typical quarterbacks will be going up against. So next, oh, lo and behold, we got another, another Mac quarterback mr daquan finn out of toledo and man oh man what a performance this guy had against um oh my god why am i forgetting all these matchups what, who did he play last week i i thought i had this written down my bad my bad y'all um yeah played bowling green absolutely phenomenal performance last week thrown for 270 yards and three touchdowns and by the way, he only added two more touchdowns on the ground to the tune of four carries for 30 yards and two touchdowns. Like I said, dude had an absolutely phenomenal game against Bowling Green. And guess what he goes up against this week? He goes up against the Ohio Bobcats, who are 88th in the pass. And while that's not as good as some of the other matchups I've been putting up here, still great, or still pretty good, I would say. Here's the thing. They are 110th against the rush. So Mr. Daquan Finn is going to be eating here, as well as his right-hand man, Mr. Bryant Kobach. Both of those guys are going to be dominating in this game. So I think Mr. Daquan Finn, just another matching quarterback that is set to absolutely eat this week. Early in the week, get a leg up on your competition this week. Mr. Daquan Finn absolutely can help you do that. So that's our final Maction quarterback. Again, we had three three out of the five quarterbacks I'm offering this week are all Mac guys. These are guys that people just don't hear about because they're, they play in the Mac. So, like, these are not games that really get a ton of talk throughout the week because, well, they happen during the week, and then everybody kind of forgets about them. And, well, again, if you're listening to shows like this, you have to know. Invest in the Mac. Invest in Maction. Maction is where it's at every single year. Always happens right around playoff time. And God, we as CFFers, we love it every single year. It's wonderful. So final quarterback I'm going to offer you guys for tonight is going to be Mr. Rising from the Dead, Phil Jerkovic, quarterback out of Boston College. Man, we thought that Phil Jerkovic was done for the year. Uh, broke his thumb or broke his or broke his uh, broke something uh, a couple weeks ago and we really thought 
that Phil was just done for the year. That that was going to be it, especially with Boston College underperforming. It looked like that Boston College might hold him out the rest of the year. Maybe we just wait until next year. That's not what happened at all. Came back against Virginia Tech last week, led Boston College to a win. Did not look good in that game. Let's be real. He had a very, very bad game. And I'll I'll be honest. I had a couple people ask me, it's like, hey, Phil Jerkovic this week, um, do you think we should play him? He's going up against a bad Georgia Tech team. I'm like Listen, I saw I saw the rust on him last week. I'm not ready to say that he's worth starting. Well, I was wrong, because uh, guess what he did against Georgia Tech? Uh, only 13 for 20 for 310 yards and two touchdowns through the air. And, you know, that's a good day. Uh, but here's the other thing. Uh, eight rushes, 71 yards, three touchdowns. Dude had an absolutely baller day against Georgia Tech and absolutely somebody who has the upside to crush it going forward for the uh, Eagles. So yeah, Djurkovic rising from the dead. Um, his matchup this week against, um, why? golly, I thought I had all this down. Sorry, y'all. Here we go. Matchup going up against Florida State this weekend. Still pretty good matchup. I think he can absolutely ball out in those games. Florida State kind of coming in a little little bit hot after their win over Miami last weekend. But I think Jerkovic can take care of business there. Absolutely all five of these guys. I'll run through them here real quick. All five of these guys absolutely can help you this upcoming week in your first week of playoff games. Uh, we got Zach, Zach Gibson, quarterback out of Akron, owned on 1% of leagues. We got Jaron Hall, quarterback out of BYU, owned on 21% of leagues. We got Mr. Drew Plitt, quarterback out of Ball State, owned on 14% of rosters. We got Mr. Daquan Finn, quarterback out of Toledo, owned on 5% of rosters. And we got Phil Jerkovic, quarterback out of Boston College, owned on 32% of rosters. Like I said, guys, these guys are going to be phenomenal for you going forward. So... Y'all let me take a swig of my water here real quick. And let's move on. We'll go ahead and talk about our quarterbacks. Or we talked about our quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and move on to our running backs here. So let me just do a quick fix here. All right, there we go. We got some great, great matchups for you guys coming up this weekend. Once again, you're going to see a theme here. I'm going to run through these again where I'm really just looking at this week. Because once you're in the playoffs, you take it week by week. You look for those matchups. I mean, you really do that every week. But at this point, it's not entirely about, all righty, who can I rely on for several weeks to come? You only got two weeks left in the season, y'all. Uh, you got to make your decisions. You got to make your decisions now. So first guy we got coming up here, Mr. Devin Neal, uh, running back out of Kansas. Absolutely destroyed it last week against texas absolutely monster game for them i believe he had three touchdowns again i gotta i don't know why i have all this written down i'm sorry y'all forgive me once again all right devin neal game log yeah 24 attempts 143 yards three touchdowns on the ground and he added another one through the year so four touchdowns in general uh dude just have the absolutely monster day here's the thing Normally, you would say, oh, Kansas, or that, that's great for Devin Neal. Um, Lance Leopold's going to help him out going forward. But he, there's not, like, we can't expect that again. Well, uh, he's only going up against TCU next week. And the thing about that is that TCU has the 124th ranked rushing defense in the country. Um, so, yeah, there's a good chance he could repeat. Now, he's not going to probably get four touchdowns again. That's crazy. But 24 attempts over 100 yards and probably a touchdown or two, I have no reason to see why they wouldn't rely on that, especially um, with Lance Leopold there at the helm. He's probably going to want to rely on that major running back, and Devin Neal has really become that for them over the past couple of weeks. So absolutely, I think Devin Neal is worth an add for this week. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our second running back here. Uh, this one is not matchup. This is just, guys, why is this man only owned on 30% of rosters? That's Mr. Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. What are y'all doing? This is a Wisconsin running back that we have been looking for. We wanted Jalen Berger to be that. Didn't happen. We wanted Ches Malusi to be that. Almost had it, but he just can't stay healthy. Braylon Allen out of nowhere comes in and says, I am going to be your starting 
running back for Wisconsin going forward. And he has absolutely killed it. Ches Malusi out for the rest of the season. So what do we do? We get Braylon Allen in that workhorse running back role. And he absolutely killed it against Northwestern last week. And he's going to do that pretty much against every competition he has gone. He, um, before this week, he was splitting carries with Ches Malusi. And even when he was getting an even number of carries with Ches Malusi, you just saw... He had the weight. He had a much higher average yards per carry, and he's really getting that workhorse role now that he's deserved for a long time. Playing Nebraska this week, a little bit tougher of a matchup. Definitely more of a tougher matchup than uh, Northwestern last week. Um, so I don't expect Braylon Allen to like you know be chalked in for a 35, 40 point fantasy uh, game uh, point game a week fantasy point game again. Sorry, y'all, uh, but. He's still going to have an epic day for you guys, so absolutely add him. And he is one of those guys that um, going into these last two weeks, doesn't matter. He's going to be killing it both weeks. So we'll head up our, ne our next guy here. Going back to the MAC, we got Mr. Dylan McDuffie, running back out of Buffalo, owned on 40% of rosters. Uh, I've talked about this guy quite a bit already. Um, Buffalo's been looking for that key running back. We thought it was going to be Kevin Marks this year, and he really just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay consistent when he was out there on the field. And Dylan McDuffie really just, as the season has gone on, has just taken over that starting role for Buffalo. Had a nice week last week once again. Didn't hit that 20 mark that you'd like to see, but even still, good news is he's got Northern Illinois coming into town. and Or I, I, actually, they might be going to Northern Illinois can't remember that off the top of my head. But regardless of the fact, Northern Illinois currently has the 119th ranked rushing defense in the country. That is a matchup that Dylan McDuffie can absolutely feast on this upcoming matching schedule. I think he's absolutely worth an add. Again, 40% barely, barely makes our uh, list or meets our criteria for this list, but doesn't matter. Absolutely worth an add going forward. So... Uh, next guy we got up on the list, another just good matchup here. Uh, you guys know I'm a Georgia fan. Uh, I don't love recommending Florida guys because that admits that Florida has value. But here's a guy on Florida with some serious value. Uh, Mr. Damian Pierce out of Florida. Dude really should have been getting so many more carries for Florida over the last, really just the entire season. I don't know why Florida has not been riding on him more and more. I'm not sure why they've been trying to force this passing game uh, when really it's just not there. Uh, but regardless, Damian Pierce playing for Florida, well, they're only going up against Mizzou this weekend. And if y'all haven't been picking on Mizzou's rushing defense all year, what have you been doing? Mizzou currently has 129th ranked rushing defense in the country. Uh, I can see Damian Pierce absolutely having a field day against this team. Uh, I'm not sure really what's going on with Florida. Again, I'm not going to get too much into that and everything. But what I do know is that there are guys on that team that just don't quit. And Damian Pierce is one of those guys. I absolutely see him having a phenomenal day going against that Mizzou front seven this weekend. So we'll head up the last running back here. And this is one of my guys I had early on in the season. Uh, Mr. Marquez Cooper out of Kent State. I basically drafted this guy in pretty much every best ball league that I could because I knew that once that Kent State offense got going in that max maxion schedule, that Marquez Cooper was going to be a huge, huge beneficiary of that high scoring offense in that conference. And he's going up against Akron this weekend. Again, I'm, I am, y'all, I'm picking on that game as much as I can. Marquez Cooper um, going up against Akron. Akron is the 126th team against the Rush. He is absolutely going to feast. Dustin Crum, for that matter, is going to feast too, but he is already owned on so many teams. Marquez Cooper is the piece of that Kent State offense you're going to want to pick up going forward here because when they get down to that goal line situation, yes, Crum's going to get a few, but Marquez Cooper is absolutely going to grab you a touchdown or two throughout the week. Absolutely worth picking up going forward. So... Once again, y'all let me have a swig of water. All right, and then we can move on to our wide receivers. So, wide receivers for week 11 going forward. Got five of those guys for you tonight. And first things first, not going straight to the maxion. 
Um, but we are going to a team that almost, almost went to the MAC, uh, and that's Western Kentucky. And once again, guys, Mitchell Tinsley is the guy that really nobody's, uh, not nobody's talking about, but like not enough people are talking about him right now. Really one of the few wide receivers that was still left over at Western Kentucky that didn't transfer in during the offseason. And while Jared Stearns obviously has been the guy at Western Kentucky throughout this entire season, Mitchell Tinsley has been inching his way more and more into a almost 1A, 1B role with Jared Stearns. And this past weekend, dude, absolutely exploded. 10 catches, 198 yards, and two touchdowns, outperforming Jared Stearns in that game. This dude basically sealed the deal for me and Xavier in the Kings Classic League this past weekend. We performed very well, if you haven't seen my tweet on that. Um, but really, Mitchell Tinsley was the one who really kind of blew it open. Dude scoring 40. Um, yes, I believe I counted that right. About like 40 points in that game. It's absolutely phenomenal monster game for him. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I mean... Western Kentucky is a team that can easily afford multiple fantasy wide receivers for college fantasy. And Mitchell Tinsley, to me, is clearly that if at worst, he is the clear second wide receiver. At best, he is far and away the number one wide receiver on the day, as he was this past weekend. Only owned in 22% of leagues. Absolutely worth picking you up if you need a wide receiver with a better matchup upcoming this week. All right. So that's our first wide receiver. We'll hit up our second wide receiver here. We got missed. We're going back to the Maction again. A lot of Maction guys here, y'all, but it don't, you don't not pick on the Maction. Even still, uh, pairing with my Zach Gibson pick from Akron earlier, I'm going to go Mr. Kanoda Mumpfield, wide receiver out of Akron, owned on 20% of leagues. Dude finally had the true breakout game we've been waiting for him. 11 catches for 122 yards and two touchdowns last week. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, he's not going to be able to, like, he hasn't done that consistently already. Why should we expect him to do it again? Well, I told you earlier with Zach Gibson. Kent State's only the 129th ranked team against the pass. Um, it doesn't matter if they double team him, triple team him. They're not good. As simple as that. They're not good against the pass. Kanota Mumfield is the clear number one wide receiver for this Akron team. Absolutely worth a pickup. I guarantee you he's probably going over 100 yards and at least a touchdown this week. Very, very safe guy right here. So, uh, we'll hit up after Mr. Mumfield. We'll talk about our third wide receiver here. Once again, in the action. This is a guy I um, argued for last week on the uh, waiver wire gemstones article by the way if you haven't checked that out on fan tracks huge shout out to john lobb for inviting me to um guest on that article mr jd yonke who normally does that was out at a wedding and john was kind enough to reach out for me on that so john if you're listening huge huge thank you for letting me be a part of that and one of the guys i truly argued for was mr trayvon rudolph here out of northern illinois owned on 30 percent of rosters um a couple weeks ago, he had the monster 300-yard game and multiple scores and really just put his name on the map there. Tyrese Ritchie, who everybody was assuming coming into the season would be that number one wide receiver. We were right to think that, but really Trayvon Rudolph as a redshirt freshman has really kind of grown his role in this offense as the season has gone along. And now with Ritchie out, which looks like he might be out for the rest of the season, we're not entirely sure yet there. Uh, Trayvon Rudolph has stepped up in his place and just delivered monster, monster games. This past week was a little bit more muted. Eight catches for 180 yards, but still over 100 yards. Didn't find the end zone, which is unfortunate, but I cannot imagine that continues to be a pattern going forward. Trayvon Rudolph is absolutely worth a pickup and one of these guys in Maction that's going to be worth you picking on that Maction for. So with him out of the way, we'll move on to our fourth wide receiver here. And really... Mr. Isaiah uh, Nayor, wide receiver out of Wyoming. Really, this guy's just flying, flying under the radar right now. But he's had some great performances the last couple of weeks and has just been finding the end zone very consistently over the last three games. I believe he's had five touchdowns over the last three games. This past game against Boise State, he had six catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. Now, granted, he did get most of that on a 74-yard touchdown pretty much in the final seconds of the game. So you can't 
count on that too much. However, he is going up against Utah State this weekend. Not a very good passing defense, so I can absolutely see him getting targeted more and more as he is really just showing consistency in his performance. And I think Wyoming is going to recognize that, and I think they're going to continue to work with him going forward. So out of our five here, I'd say I'm probably the least comfortable with Isaiah Nayor, but I think he's absolutely worth a pickup here going forward. And so finally, we'll hit up our last wide receiver here. And that's going to be Mr. Cedric Tillman, a wide receiver out of Tennessee, owned on 6% of rosters. I mean, call it recency bias and everything, but again, I am a Georgia fan, so I had my eyes definitely on the Georgia-Tennessee game last week. And I knew coming into the game about Tillman, I had heard that he was a burner. I knew he was going to give Georgia's uh, defense some fits this weekend. And he lived up to that. 10 catches, 200 yards, and a touchdown against the Georgia defense. There are not a lot of players in the country right now that are going to be putting up stats like that against Georgia's defense. That should tell you that Cedric Tillman, first of all, is a special player to be able to perform like that against a defense like that. In addition to that, having 10 catches and even more targets in a game like that shows you that both Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, whoever for some, like I imagine it's Hendon Hooker going forward, but if even if Joe Milton's in the game, he is a guy that they are looking for and he's going to be getting plenty of work. And the best part about him, he's got two incredible matchups here at the end of the season. This week, they got South Alabama. And then the next week they have, they close the season with Vanderbilt guys. Those are incredible matchups. And if you have head and hooker, Cedric Tillman's absolutely worth picking up for you to um, stack him with. Love the matchups. Love the speed. Love the talent with Cedric Tillman. Honestly, he's worth picking up in Dynasty. A lot of these guys really are worth picking up in Dynasty because a lot of the guys I'm talking to you guys today, like quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers here, a lot of these guys are really young. So if you're on a Dynasty team and a lot of these guys are just sitting there on the waiver wire or um, if they're just sitting there ready to be auctioned, go for them. This is the time right now. So those are the wide receivers. So let me give a a real quick recap of those. We have Mr. Mitchell Tinsley out of Western Kentucky. We got Kenota Mumfield out of Akron. We got Trayvon Rudolph out of Northern Illinois. We got Isaiah Nayor out of Wyoming. And we got Mr. Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. So we'll move on to the tight ends here. And I only got three for them, uh, three tight ends for you guys this week, mostly because. Um, you guys don't care as much about the tight ends. In addition to that, if you're on a playoff team, you pretty much have your tight end set. You're not really looking for another tight end at this point. But even so, if you are, I got three good ones here for you that I like. Got Benjamin Eurosec going up against Cal this weekend, owned on 12% of rosters. Eurosec really has just become a favorite target of any quarterback in the Sanford system right now. Just a big body tight end. I like him a lot going forward. Great dynasty pickup at this point. Just to keep, have him on your roster going forward. Like him a lot. <sighs> I feel like I'm a conspiracy theorist every time I, I bring him up. But Lucas Kroll. Lucas Kroll. It's like the X I can't get rid of. Lucas Kroll is, I think, a good pickup for you this upcoming weekend. Had a terrible game two weeks ago where he has nothing. Big fat donut. This past weekend against... Um, Godly, who to, who to pit play? Why, why am I so bad at this, y'all? Forgive me. Um, let's see. Pittsburgh. He played UNC. Why, I, how, I don't remember that. I, wa- I watched that game in full. Um, he had a good game against uh, UNC. Looks like they finally got, got him out of that um, touchdown drought. And what better way to continue to cure that than facing a terrible, terrible passing defense in the Virginia Cavaliers this upcoming weekend. I absolutely expect Lucas Kroll to be getting plenty of work in that game now that Kenny Pickett really remembers that he's a, he exists. So, yeah. Lucas Kroll, I promise you guys, he, he'll, he'll work this time. Um, and then last but not least, a new name I'm throwing onto this list and really it's just a guy that's been catching my eye more and more recently, Jack Beck. Wide receiver slash tight end at LSU. True freshman, owned on 9% of leagues. 
really this guy has become LSU, one of LSU's more reliable guys the last couple of weeks as guys are opting out due to injury. Um, some people aren't quite as into the game as they typically were. The quarterback struggles has really made it hard to make consistent chemistry with receivers. But one guy that's been relatively consistent is Mr. Jack Beck out of LSU. And even though they're playing against UL Monroe this upcoming weekend, I expect to, him to be in the full game regardless if they quote-unquote pull the starters in that game. Mostly due to the fact that, again, he's a freshman. He needs all the reps that he can get. And really, LSU is not in a position right now where they need to rest guys. They're not playing for a ton going forward. So I think Jack Beck is absolutely going to be worth a guy putting out there this weekend. And again, he'll be out there the full full game. He's going to be a consistent threat for that LSU passing game going forward. I like him a lot. So quick recap there on the tight ends. We got Benjamin Urasek out of Stanford. We got Lucas Kroll out of Pittsburgh. And we got a new guy, Jack Beck, tight end slash wide receiver at LSU. Again, I like all three of those guys going forward here towards the end of the season. But again, if you're on a playoff team, you probably got tight end figured out. But even still, if you don't for some reason and you're struggling, here's some good guys I think you can match up well with. All righty. So before we continue, once again, need some water. Perfect. So let's go ahead and head up. Once Now that we're out of the way on those uh, waiver wire pickups, those are all, again, almost all of those games or all of those players and everything are mostly due to matchups that they have this week. A lot of them, I think, can perform well for you guys. Again, crunch time, crunch time in the playoffs. We'll get back to what we can do in championship games next week, but for right now, all you need to do is just get to the next game, and those guys are all going to be guys that are going to help you out. So let's move on to our games of this past week, week 11. Uh, pretty interesting week. Not a ton in the upset department. Really only two uh, ranked teams went down that were facing, uh, well, yeah, no, really. Um, in terms, yeah, only one ranked team lost to an unranked team. Any other teams that lost, lost to another ranked team. Uh, but we got seven games to talk about here, so I'll kind of run through these real quick and just let you know what my thoughts are on them. In addition to that, what are some performances I thought that were kind of interesting? So the first one we're going to talk about here is, of course, number eight, Oklahoma, losing to number 13, Baylor's final score of 27 to 14. Um... Where to start with this game? And really, uh, let's start with where Oklahoma was ranked in the playoff committee. Um, a lot of people uh, upset about Cincinnati being ranked so low as an undefeated team. A lot of the same people neglected the fact that a Power 5 team uh, in Oklahoma, a perennial playoff contender, uh, nonetheless, was ranked below them. Uh, I think a lot of people forget to mention that. And... A lot of people were scratching their heads saying, well, Oklahoma's a Power 5 team. They're undefeated. What's going on here? Really, the problem was that they had seven one-score wins against unranked competition to that point. And I think the playoff committee was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, well, here it was. Oklahoma only scored 14 points in this game. And, again, I'm a huge Caleb Williams fan. I love watching him play. But this was a game that truly reminded you that he is still only a freshman. He's got a lot to learn. He is not going to be QB Jesus coming out of the gate. And really, I think Oklahoma fans just needed that reminder here. Uh, Baylor played phenomenal in this game. The home crowd helped them out. And really, I think the MVP of the game here was Abram Smith. Didn't score any points, uh, but at the end of the day, 20 carries for 148 yards against Oklahoma's defense was going to help them out no matter what in this game. Um, and really, Abram, in addition to Bohannon, Bohannon had a pretty pedestrian day to, through the air, but on the ground, Bohannon had nine carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Again, combine that with Abram Smith, Oklahoma's run defense got absolutely torched in this game. And yeah, in addition to that, Oklahoma just struggled to run the ball. I think that's a under-talked-about point 
for this game. They only had 2.8 yards per carry. Just struggling there. You can't rely on Caleb Williams all day. And when they did, Caleb Williams threw two pretty bad interceptions in this game. Uh, the problem with 50-50 balls is that 50% of the time they're not going to go your way. And in this game, just all of them went the wrong way for Caleb Williams. And then just add in the Oklahoma kicker was just off. It was just a bad day all around for Oklahoma in this one. And in the preview video, in the preview episode from last week, I had mentioned to Justin that in their final four games, really, because I, I assumed that Oklahoma was going to the Big 12 championship, that I was like, I don't know where the loss is, but I can't see Oklahoma going undefeated. I see them losing one to two games. And after this performance, I guarantee you, there's, or I'm not going to guarantee, but I'm pretty sure there's another loss in the last three games of Oklahoma's schedule. I don't see them making it out of the season with only one loss. And even if they do, I think they're done in terms of the playoff. Too many close wins, finally face a ranked team, and they lose by 13. I think I think they're done for the year. So, from there, we'll move on to another ranked matchup. This time we're going to the Big Ten. Number four, Ohio State at number 19, Purdue. I mean, we all, we've all heard it already. Purdue came in, the Giant Slaters, the Spoiler Makers, as everybody was calling them, and Ohio State was having none of it. Final score of 59-31. to 31. Just a major mismatch in the Purdue secondary versus these Ohio State receivers. We'll get to them in a second. Just an absolutely crazy day for them. Uh, but really just a crazy day for the overall for this Ohio State offense. Let me just run through these stats with you guys. We got CJ Stroud went 31 for 38 for 361 yards, five touchdowns. Incredible day for him. Mayan Williams, uh, who split carries with Trayvon Henderson in this game. I know a lot of people are going to be angry about the fact that Trayvon Henderson is back to splitting carries. I think it's okay because Mayan Williams, just an absolute bowling ball of a man. 14 carries for 117 yards. Actually outperformed Henderson in terms of yards per carry. But Henderson, in his own right, had his own incredible day. 13 carries, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. So Ohio State clicking on cylinders on the ground. And then let's just get to these receivers. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a first-round CFF um, pick next year. Absolute just might be the best receiver that Ohio State has on that team right now. And that's crazy Crazy talk when you consider the fact they also have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on that team. Garrett Wilson went 100, went 10 receptions, 126 yards, three touchdowns in this game. Oh, and by the way, he also had a 51-yard rushing touchdown in this game, because why not? And then Chris Olave, who really, th- these numbers seem pedestrian when they compare it to Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, but still, this is three incredible receivers you're talking about here. They can't all feast um, completely here. But Chris Olave, nine receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. This is like, there are not a lot of teams in the country that are going to have a chance if Ohio State is clicking on offense on all cylinders. And Purdue is definitely not one of those teams. This is just a match where a team just got outplayed. Uh, Purdue just got outmatched. Um, they, needed, they needed Ohio State to play probably like a B minus game. For them to have a chance in this game and while Ohio State came in on and at least on offense they came in and they played lights out um, we'll also give a shout out to Mr. Aiden O'Connell here uh, quarterback out of Purdue I took his over on prize picks this week because I felt very good about it and I was correct on that one uh, went 40 for 52 390 yards and four touchdowns but again not nearly enough when your defense is giving up 59 points to Ohio State so Good job on Ohio State. This is a good win for them, I think, going forward. I think this will be one that impresses the playoff committee near the end, especially when you see other playoff contenders like Michigan State, like, or formerly, like Iowa, um, just lose in terrible fashion to this team. So I think this will be a good one going forward for them. So we've done one of the Big 12, done one of the Big 10. We'll move on to the SEC now. This is one that caught me by surprise, and I guess after I watched the game, I shouldn't have been that surprised. But number 11, Texas A&M, goes down on the road to number 15, Ole Miss, final score of 29-19. to And 
this is one of those things where if you told me certain things about the game, I would have still picked A&M. If you told me the winner relied on their defense for the win, I would have said A&M wins this game. If you had told me that the lead rusher for the team that won had 24, 24 carries, 152 yards, and zero touchdowns, I still would have said A&M. They probably don't get, they probably kick field goals. They probably um, score in some other way. But even still, that much rushing success, A&M probably wins that game. But that's not what happened. And A&M really had just a pedestrian day on offense. Uh, Really, uh, Devin A-Chain was the only bright spot. He had 12 carries for 110 yards and two touchdowns. But Calzada, man. Uh, 24 for 42, so almost just barely above 50% completion rating. Um, 237 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And then, oh, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Isaiah Spiller. Uh, He had 15 carries for 41 yards, zero touchdowns, and also gave up a safety because he couldn't get it out of the end zone. Now it's not entirely his fault, but even so, just a terrible, terrible day for AM's offense. Got shut out in the first half of this game. They made adjustments in the second half. Started to make it look like a more competitive game, but then again, some turnovers reared their ugly head. Ole Miss capitalized off of those because like Matt Corral didn't have the best days in this game. Ole Miss relied on their defense heavily in this game. Um, Matt Corral, I don't think had above 300 yards passing. If he or if he did, it wasn't by much, and he only had one touchdown through the air on the day, and it was like a uh, four-yard pass to uh, Dontario Drummond. So nothing too special for him. And so, yeah, uh, this, this, this one shouldn't have surprised me because, again, Ole Miss was getting a lot of their receivers back, so they were going to be a lot better on offense. And Texas A&M's offense just has been up and down this year, and I guess I should have assumed that in a hostile road environment, it was likely that they were going to get shut down. But at the end of the day, I did pick Texas A&M to win this game. I was a little shocked. Once I saw the uh, result on the field. But even still, Ole Miss, congratulations. Again, when Ole Miss is a team that is clicking on all cylinders, they're worth a top 10 team in the country. Uh, It's just they got injured to hell. And they dropped a couple games they really shouldn't have. It's as simple as that. So, we've hit Big 12, we've hit Big 10, we've hit SEC. Let's go to the ranked matchup. Over in the ACC, the game that never, never should have been taken off national television. That is NC State versus Wake Forest, number 16 versus number 12. Final score, Wake Forest 45, NC State 42. Man, oh man. This was a fun, fun game to watch. Honestly, I think this might be in my top, definitely my top 10 Probably top five favorite games of this year. Just a consistent back and forth between these teams. Plenty of plays made on defense, especially in the secondaries. Creating turnovers, creating interceptions. So it wasn't just a complete offensive shootout. It was There was also momentum swings because of the defense. Both sides making a play. And really just incredible performances all around from these players. Uh, on the NC State side of things, Devin Leary continues to just be awesome. 37 for 59, 408 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he had a great day. Sam Hartman actually had a pretty pedestrian day in terms of his passing. 20 for 47, 290 yards, and three touchdowns, three interceptions. So very back and forth day for him. On the ground, he put 13 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. So made up some ground there. Uh, But even so, because of Sam Hartman struggling, Their receivers weren't exactly exploding on the day. A.T. Perry, best receiver they had on the day. Five receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Still a good day, but not what we've been expecting from with Wake Forest. Uh, Really, it was NC State that saw some great performances from their receivers. Emeka Emezi, 10 receptions, 133 yards, two touchdowns. He did phenomenal. And then a, a dynasty guy you might guys want to be looking at here, Devin Carter, a um, sophomore for NC State. Recorded seven receptions for 132 yards and two touchdowns in this game. So well done from him. And then Justin Ellison running back for Wake Forest. Christian Beale Smith was out of the game. So he came in, took over. Three touchdowns from him definitely helped Wake Forest out, even though really on the day they were just were not running rushing the ball very well. But at the end of the day, I watched this game. 
watching it go back and forth, and I'm like, what went wrong for NC State? Because there was a lot of times where it felt like NC State should have won this game, but Wake Forest just kept staying in it. Couldn't go down. And I was like, where's that one stat that really told me where things went wrong for NC State? Well, found it. It's the third down conversion rate. Wake Forest went 10 for 19, so they converted on just above 50% of their third down rates. Kept themselves on the field. NC State couldn't get them off the field. Contrast that with NC State. They went 3 for 14 on third downs, and they only went for it on fourth down one time. They, they succeeded on that one time, but even so, they only went for it on fourth down one time. So out of those third down conversions, um, they punted it away on 10 of them. So that right there is going to be the difference in their game right there. So this is a hard-fought game again. Great back-and-forth game. Really have loved the ACC being that conference of shootouts this year. We've had the AAC do it. We've had Maction do it. Well, Maction does it every year, let's be real. Um, we've had the Big 12 be that conference, but really it's the ACC this year. They've been phenomenal for CFF, and this was just a great kind of capper to for Wake Forest probably to go into the ACC championship game. That's going to be a entertaining as hell conference championship game this year because you're not going to have a clear one-sided battle when they finally get there so that'll be interesting all right let's hit up that's the last of our ranked v ranked matchups we got three other games we want to talk about here where one is one team's ranked one team wasn't ranked and we'll just kind of talk about it there first one got to go with the home dogs uh number one georgia 41 versus tennessee 17 um, the whole narrative behind this game was Georgia's defense was finally going to get a real test because they were going to go up against an offense that could pass the ball with incredible inf- efficiency. And yeah, Georgia's defense got tested in this game. Um, you watch that first drive, Georgia's defense really struggled on that first drive. Now they made adjustments as the game went on that helped them out a ton, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But overall in the day, Georgia's defense allowed 332 yards passing and two passing touchdowns in this game. So clearly it shows it's possible to move the ball on this defense. However, once again, I think this is the part that's undersold about the Georgia defense because the last couple of weeks, we've seen it with Florida, we've seen it with Missouri, we saw it with um, Tennessee this past weekend. You are seeing Georgia really give up some yard, sometimes really giving up some yardage between the 25s. But once they get into that red zone, they clamp down, they get hard, it gets hard. Those RPO offenses that can move the ball against Georgia, really any defense in the country, really struggle when they get down into that red zone. And Georgia's been exceptional in that. That's why they've only allowed at most 17 points this year. And even still, Tennessee only scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter that put them at 17. Not that that doesn't count. I mean, lots of other teams have tried to score a late touchdown in Georgia. Some succeeded, some haven't, Missouri. Um, But even still, a couple of guys I want to shout out here. Uh, James Cook, phenomenal day for him. Uh, As a Georgia fan, I've been waiting for a day like this from him. 10 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns, and then adding through the air, Three receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. Dude had an absolutely monster, monster day. Cedric Tillman, we already talked about him. Ten receptions for 200 yards and a touchdown. That's incredible against any defense. That's even more incredible against a defense like Georgia's. And then, I guess I got to shout out the Georgia defense because what else are you going to do? But specifically, um, Georgia getting six sacks on the day I think helped a ton in terms of keeping that Tennessee offense under control. Specifically, I'm going to shout out Channing Tindall, an inside linebacker for Georgia. Had three sacks in the second half. Really kept Tennessee from sparking any kind of hope of coming back into the game in that second half. Um, and then the other thing that I really kind of pointed out in this game that um, I'm, I'm going to give credit to Brian McFadden over on CBS. He pointed out the stat. I thought it was a great stat. If you want to know where this game kind of went wrong, it's this stat right here, Georgia, in the first quarter, Tennessee is the number one team in the country in terms of scoring in the first quarter. 
Georgia is fourth. And that, that played out. You saw Tennessee score 10. You saw Georgia score 7. I mean, obviously, like typically they would score more, but their defenses were both performing pretty well. And then Georgia's defense did what Georgia's defense does. Here's the problem. Second quarter. Georgia is the number one team in the country in terms of scoring in the second quarter. Tennessee drops down to 73rd in the country in terms of scoring in the second quarter. You saw that play out. All of a sudden, Georgia scores 17. Tennessee's not able to score anything. All of a sudden, the game gets pretty out of reach for Tennessee by the time the halftime clock ticks down. All this to say, Georgia really now is almost guaranteed to make the playoffs unless something disastrous happens from here on out. They play Charleston Southern, FCS school. Um, I guess we learned this past weekend, you can't really uh, always underestimate, uh, underestimate FCS schools. Uh, yeah. And uh, in addition to that, they have Georgia Tech, which I don't really see Georgia Tech giving Georgia that many problems. Um and then obviously there's the SEC championship, but again, Georgia goes into that undefeated against a one-loss Alabama, or if somehow, uh, good Lord, who out of the West? I, th- I think it's really just Alabama now. I, th- I think Alabama pretty much has clinched it at this point unless something super crazy happens. Um, like they lose to both Arkansas and Auburn, which I don't see happening. Um, but even still, um, if Georgia even loses the SEC championship, they're probably going. They're they're still in the playoffs. They're going to be fine. So yeah, overall, Georgia passes their final real test of the regular season with flying colors. So good luck to them. We'll move on to another game here. This is a Big Ten matchup. Again, we've been waiting for these matchups between these Big Ten East teams. Uh, really, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State. And we're finally getting them, and some clarity is coming into focus. And Penn State really, really, I think, gave their all in this game. And I think it was just one of these games where I do think Michigan's just a better team at the end of the day. And they've made the plays they needed to at the end of the day to win this game. Um, I think if you played this game 10 out of 10 times, Michigan probably wins it 9 out of 10 times. uh, Because Penn State... While they're playing with their heart and everything like that, they just couldn't consistently move the ball against Michigan. It looked good at first, but then Michigan made some adjustments. Um, the big big things here that I noticed was Jahan Dotson absolutely getting shut down in this game. Had the most receptions for Penn State, but he had the third most receiving yards. Nine receptions, 61 yards, zero touchdowns. Michigan was all over him, made sure that he was taken out of the game. In addition to that, Sean Clifford just did not have a very good day. 23 for 43, 205 yards and touchdown. Um, got to use his legs a little bit, but Michigan really took him out of the game, sacking him seven times in this game. And then last but not least, um, I do kind of want to throw out here that with Blake Horn being taken out of the game for Michigan, I was curious to see if Hassan Haskins would become a bell cow role or if they would try to give some more work to the freshman, Donovan Edwards. And it was the former. Hassan Haskins had 31 carries for 156 yards and zero touchdowns in this game. And Donovan Edwards had, I think, two or three carries. And he had the second most carries on the team. So it's very clear that with Coram out, Haskins is that number one guy for Michigan going forward. So if you have Haskins on your playoff team, absolutely continue to play him unless you start hearing word about Coram coming back in. But even still, Haskins is still a great running back, even if Coram does come back in and start taking those carries again. Um, Anything else I really wanted to say about this game? I mean, this really kind of puts Penn State as the fourth best team in the East, which is a shame because that Big Ten East is so good this year. And... It really makes Penn State seem a lot worse than they are. Again, lost to Illinois notwithstanding. Um, but even still, I think Penn State's a good football team. They're probably going to finish outside the top 25, which is a shame because, again, they're a good, good team. But Michigan, again, I think they're probably one of the bigger surprises of this year to where they're actually taking care of business. So we'll see. Again, they still got one loss on the season. But if they went out, um, Michigan suddenly finds themselves in the playoff race. 
So we'll see how Big Blue does from here on out. Got one more game I want to talk about with you guys. We got Mississippi State defeating Auburn 43-34 to on the road. This is um, outside of Oklahoma, no, Oklahoma and Texas A&M. This is the only other ranked upset of the weekend. And where do you start with this game? Auburn was up 28-3 to in this game. Mississippi State goes on to score 40, not 14, 4D, 4D, 4-0 unanswered points from then on out. That is a cursed number in football. It does not matter. 28 to 3 is a cursed number in football. If you're playing a legitimate opponent, you're up 28 to 3, that's immediately alarm bells need to start ringing off in your head, no matter what you're playing. Um, but that's not, shouldn't take credit away from Mississippi State in this one. Uh, Mike Leach is implemented that air raid offense down there at Mississippi State, really created a program that is something special for teams to prepare against whenever they do play Mississippi State. And that's good, in my opinion, for six, seven wins a year at the very least. Because programs like Alabama, programs like Georgia, are going to be able to have the resources to prepare for a, or resources, coaches, players, that are going to be able to prepare for a team like that and shift their philosophy like that pretty easily but other teams like Auburn, like uh, Texas A&M, all these teams don't make that shift. And all of a sudden, Mississippi State is a lot more difficult of a team to face than you would typically think. So congrats to Mike Leach for really going down there and creating what he wanted to create at Mississippi State. Not taking the SEC by storm like some people thought it would, but regardless, I mean, he's doing a great job. And then Will Rogers, a guy that people were even questioning, would he even be the starting quarterback by the end of the season because of just all the rumors that were flying around Mississippi State before the season started? Well, here he is near the end of the season going 44 for 55, 415 yards and six touchdowns. He's really another guy on the waiver wire. Again, he's uh, over the 40% margin, but if he's on your waiver wire, pick him up. Pick him up. Uh, but even so, Auburn, what are you doing? 28 to 3, 48, 40 unanswered points, finally score a late touchdown, try to make it close, but uh, Auburn, what happened, man? What happened? So, leave that covers every game we wanted to talk about here. There is no other uh, games possibly worth talking about. Definitely no teams out there that had to score over 50 points in order to beat an FCS team. Absolutely not. Uh, definitely no um, SEC schools out there that allowed an FCS program to put up 42 points in the first half. No, 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 no. That could that could absolutely never, ever, ever happen. Uh, definitely no SEC schools out there that required their all their starters to stay in full time for a FCS game. No, 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 no. Absolutely no. Uh, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy if that happened, uh, but luckily it uh, didn't, and uh, there's uh, no way that we wouldn't be laughing at that team incessantly and really questioning the validity of their head coach uh, going forward. But like I said, there's no reason to talk about that because that didn't happen. Right, Florida man? Regardless, that's our week 11 recap. I appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to me solo ramble through all this. It has been fun. Um, again, apologies for not knowing some of the stats, not knowing some of the matchups off the top of my head, having some brain farts. It's a little late here, y'all. But even still, like I said, appreciate y'all tuning in, listening to me. Um, y'all, the season, end of the season's coming up. Um, y'all got your playoff games, you got your championship games, best of luck to each and every one of you. Um, a lot of you have messaged me talking, telling me how I've helped you throughout this season so far. And really y'all, I appreciate those messages a lot. Um, doing well in a lot of my own leagues. Again, y'all don't want to hear too much about that, but I just want to let you guys know that like, I am doing well in a lot of my leagues. I'm very excited about what I can do going forward. And it makes me even happier when you guys tell me that like, Hey, 
you telling me to pick up this player has helped me win in this league or um you telling me to start this person or sit this person help me win my playoff games this week i love love hearing stuff like that so y'all please keep it up love it um but again as the season ends a lot of you guys are going to start wondering like oh like is are we going to take a hiatus and everything like that that is not the plan we continue we want to continue uh going forward and we want to hear from you guys what do you guys want to hear after the regular season because that's when a lot of the season ending formats um finish but then we start moving into bowl games you guys want bowl game content do you guys want us just want us to just go ahead and start talking about next year things that we want to or want to look for just let us know down in the comments message us on twitter let us know what you guys want to hear all that good jazz in addition to that, don't forget to follow us on all of our platforms. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you comment down below. You guys know all the stuff to do. You're listening to this on podcast. Make sure you follow us anywhere that you are listening to this. Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would love, love, love if you could leave that five-star review. Those are always wonderful for us. And then, as you guys know, the best way to contact myself or Xavier uh, is going to be on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. He is at CFF underscore Xavier. Like I said, y'all, it has been a phenomenal season so far. We got two weeks left in the season. We got playoff games. We got championships. Let's keep it going, y'all. Like I said, appreciate y'all tuning in, and I hope you guys have a wonderful first week of playoff games. See ya.